I am Judas Iscariot. For the past three years or so, I have been following this man, this. And I don't even know if it is fair for me to call him man because certainly I have come to realize that he is not ordinary, far from ordinary. But nevertheless, I still see him on some level as being genuine, sincerely authentic man. When I touch his hands, I feel flesh feel warm. When my eyes see his statue, I identify him as being a man. So there is no question in my mind that he is. Mind you, I must be rather quiet because of the extraordinary occasion that this seems to represent. I see him as a man, but more than man. His words are wise and deep. I must admit I have never heard man speak of the level profoundness that he does. It's obvious to me that his mannerisms and the way that he carries himself seem to all shout out and declare that he is greater and perhaps the greatest man that I have ever known, that perhaps the world has ever known. My dilemma tonight is after all of these years of following him, three years, and not just me, but there are 11 of us, 12 altogether in this inner circle of his disciples. While he has perhaps hundreds of other disciples, we have been selected to travel with him. It has been a very provoking and profound three years. I've seen seen him work hundreds of miracles. I've, I've listened to him as he has brought great satisfaction to those who have been empty in their lives and to those who have desired someone to show them some love, some difference. I must be quiet because now Ends in prayer. I've seen him pray many times, and just to watch him as I am now watching him in prayer, it is a profound and perhaps life-changing experience because his prayer seems to be so deep and so in tune, so in touch. I don't even know how he seems to be so in touch with. God. I can't really relate to that because 
all of my life I have struggled with the whole idea of God. And while I've been trained and taught to believe in God, I do believe that there is the God. I have not witnessed any man, no Pharisee, Sadducee, chief priest, or scribe, nor any other religious leader from any other sect who seem to have this oneness with God, even now. If I allowed you the moment to just gaze upon him and watch him as he kneels now in prayer, you too would be able to not only see a difference, but there is just something that would be in the air that my words are not trained enough to articulate. It's as though he has this thing. It's more than charisma. It's, it's more than a teaching. It's more than some religious training or instruction. He seems to have this undescribable way about him. But tonight is different. So I do not have the time to tell you all that is happening. Everything seems to be culminating. But so let me just quickly give you a brief history of some things that now a part of my dilemma as I sit here in these grass, shrubs, weeds, thickets, in this garden called Gethsemane. I think back to when I first met him. I didn't know him from Africa. I, I had no particular reason to follow him. But he comes to me and says to me, follow me. And I know that in my life I, I have I've been a radical. I, I have been one who has been trained and taught to, to resist authority. And so for someone to come and to beckon me to request that I follow them, that my first response is, well, who are you? I don't know you that bad. I don't trust you because I have been taught in my life not to trust anyone, but rather to make sure that I get whatever is coming to me, to make sure that I, 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 I'm not left behind. I've been taught the survival of the fittest. I have been taught that you better take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else will. And he comes to me and he says to me, come and follow me in. It's just something about him, something about the way he was that somehow sparked my curiosity. And I thought to myself, because I had heard the rumors and I, I had heard people talk about this Jesus of Nazareth and, and many were beginning to question whether or not he is the Messiah because we have all been expecting the Messiah to come, one who is going to come and overthrow the Roman government, one who is going to come and, and raise up the Jewish nation and, and, and restore us back to our, pray, our place of strength and power that we used to enjoy back in the days of our forefathers. And, and I have wished and desired 
that if my eyes should be able to behold the Messiah, that I would connect with him. Because I know that if I could get into his inner circle, I know that if somehow I can become a part of his movement with my radical ideas and, and, and with my my, my, my power of will and motivation to, to be number one and my motivation to be on top. I just knew that I could help him rise to the top and share with him in power. So when he comes along with me, when I met him for myself, I said I would hang out just for a little while but just kind of fill him out just to kind of see it maybe this could be the Messiah that we've been looking for. And, and I, I must admit to you that these thickets and these weeds and these bushes and these shrubbery, I must admit to you that I am convinced that if there has been anybody who is even close to the Messiah, this, this rabbi, this teacher, has to be closest thing that we've ever known. I've seen him when he speaks to the poor. They believe in him. He has a mass following no matter where he goes. He has the ability. I have seen him with my own eyes raise people up from the dead. There was a, there was a boy called Lazarus whom he loved and, and lived with his sisters Mary and Martha and Lazarus died. And not too long ago Jesus went out and he had been dead for days and Jesus goes out to the tomb and he prays to the Father, even as he is weeping. And then he says, remove the stone. And when they remove the stone, I'm telling you, I promise you, on everything that I love, he came forward. And I knew, I, he told me again, what I had already become to realize over these years, that this man is truly magnificent, that he truly has power, that he is in touch with something that all and every people are not in touch with. It. And so, my mind said to me, Judas is scary. This is your opportunity. This is your chance to hook up with something that might really pay off. Because I've had some failures in my life. I, I, I've tried many, many things to try to get ahead, but they have not worked out. And so my belief was, and is, and hope was that now I could connect one that would overthrow the world of government. We can rule and be in power. I just knew it. I sit here in the darkness of this evening. I, I sit here in these shadows because now my mind is tossed between instant gratification or delayed hope. So I'm glad you, you have crept up here because Jesus is here in this garden and, and, and he has commanded us, his disciples, to go and to pray. While he went a little further, that's him over there. And he's been in that position now for, for, for minutes and he's been there for a good little while praying. And I've watched him, I've observed him, I've listened to him as he has cried out. And I told you already that his his prayers seemed to be so in tune and so unrelatable to me because I, I must confess I still don't know how to pray. 
We've asked him at one point to teach us how to pray. He's responding. He says something to the effect of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he goes on with the entirety of that model prayer. But it doesn't bring me the power that it seems to bring him. His, his connections with something greater, something more powerful, something even divine, is something that I cannot relate to, but he's over there now. He's been acting kind of strange. He's been acting deep. He's been acting sorrowful. He's been acting heavy, burdened. It's not an act. I say act. It's not really an act. It's, he's been deeper these past few days. It has given me concern. It, it's almost as though death is in the air. I call it my imagination would say that I'm losing my mind, but when I survey and I think about what's been going on here in Jerusalem, I've heard some rumors, and I know that he has made some enemies among the chief priests. I know that he doesn't have a whole lot of friends in the high ups of the religious hierarchy. I, I, I noticed that they don't really believe in him. I cannot find a Pharisee, I cannot find a scribe or a chief priest who will sign off on him as being the Messiah. But yet, in my experience with him, in my relating to him, something on the inside of me tells me that there is something legitimate about his position, about his oneness with God. So now my mind is, is, is really racing because I'm not understanding some things because the forefathers have told us through their prophecies that the Messiah is going to come and he is going to cause our nation to rise up to the highest heights that we will be restored to our glory. He will renew and restore Jerusalem and have a new Jerusalem. That is what the prophecy suggests to us. Not that I'm any kind of specialist because Lord knows that I have not been rigorous and, and faithful to the end in, in my religious studies. But the reality is, from my knowledge, the Messiah is supposed to come. I'm just at a dilemma because if he is the Messiah, then the things that I'm hearing cannot be true. I don't understand how this is supposed to work out. And, and now I'm at a precarious position. I'm caught between a rock and a hard place. So here is my dilemma, and I'm glad you are here with me tonight because I have to make a decision. I have to decide whether or not I'm going to continue walking and traveling with them to the end, wherever the end may be. Believing that somehow the end of this story is that there is going to be glory, there is going to be power, there is going to be funding, there is going to be substance, there is going to be wealth, there is going to be victory. I don't know whether to follow him, especially given the fact that now what I'm hearing is that the authorities here in Jerusalem now have crafted their minds. Want, want to kill him, they Lies and lies. They're saying that he is starting rumors among the people that 
he is trying to establish himself as the king. He's trying to provoke the people into a fear so much they will rise up and rebel against the Roman government. And indeed, it makes sense when it comes down to overthrowing the Roman government. There must be a rebellion. There must be some radical uprising. There must be some taking of arms. We as a people have to rise up and join in with the Messiah so that we can prevail over those who have held us in bondage for all of these years. That's what I'm on board for. I am here to be a part of the revolution. I'm here to be a part of the rebellion. I am here to be a part of the great kingdom which is to come. But I'm not so sure that this is what he represents. I'm sure about his miracles. There is no question in my mind that this man can work some miracles. I've seen him take two little fish and five loaves of bread and feed 5,000. I'm sure about his ability to be able to speak life because I've already told you that some, many, several have risen from the dead at his command. I am sure about his wisdom because all of the chief priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees have tried to trick him. But every time they have tried to catch him in his words, he seems to prevail almost as though he already knew what they were going to ask. There is no question in my mind as to whether or not he is popular because everywhere we go, we are able to gain hundreds of people and they listen to his voice. The poor love him, the sick love him, the elderly love him, the children even love him. One day he even I even heard him say when they were trying to we tried to restrict the kids, he said to us, Don't forbid the children to come unto me. So he is loved by so many of the common people. He's not well embraced by the church. Not well embraced by those who frequent the temple by those who are established in the religious order, and he is rejected even by the Roman government. So how can you be a Messiah? How can you lead the people? How can you raise Jerusalem up if you do not have the religious hierarchy on your side? How can you raise up based upon common people who have little money and little ability to truly be able to affect their own victory over their oppressors? So that's why it's causing me a dilemma in my mind. And I've seen some things that causes me to question his judgment. As of late recently, I will tell you that, that, that it seems like he doesn't have value for, for money. And you know me. If you know me, you know that I have great value for money. In fact, for some reason, they have made me treasure and in truth. Let's just say I can't always be trusted. Anyway. And so here's my... I, I, I don't have a whole lot of time to speak on these things because I've got to make a decision. And I'm trying to decide whether or not I am going to trust him and follow him all the way to the end or whether I should cut him off right now. And profit. Because... 
because between the two of us, my mind is contemplating an offer because I know that here in Jerusalem, the air is ripe and they are trying to capture him. I know that at this rate, if we do not leave Jerusalem, if we stay around here much longer, then the authorities are going to come and the chief priests and the scribes are going to have their act together and they are going to go and have him arrested. And when he is arrested, I'm telling you, it's not going to work out nice because they're very upset and very against him. And they are going to lie and they will be believed by the Roman government who does not want any conflict with the people. And he knows for some reason, I know that he knows that Jerusalem is a hotbed for us. I don't understand why we are here when we could be anywhere else around in these parts, raising up the people with the power that he has, with the voice that he has, with the resume that he has. He could be a king in a matter of years if we play our cards right doesn't look like he's so interested because when I attempt to have a conversation with him and tell him how we can make this thing work out and make the kingdom come quicker, he looks at me as though I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not an expert in everything, but I know some things about being a radical. I know some things about manipulating people. I know some things about raising up and stirring up crowds that can achieve goals. I know something about that. He's so tender hearted. These people are ready to make him into a king. But it seems like he just wants to be a savior. I don't get that. Because if it would be me, if I had the power to heal, I listen, I wouldn't run away from the dead. I wouldn't worry about nothing. If we go into battle, somebody gets sick, bam! If somebody dies, bam, they could never, ever keep my army from fighting because we could always be resurrected. He doesn't seem to get that. He still has this aura about him. And when we talk to him about riches, he says things like, what advantage is a man to gain the whole world? And lose his soul. When we talk to him about living, and, 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 and he says, when we talk to him about rising up and, and achieving greatness, he looks at to us as though we were crazy. And he says things like, The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And it bothers me that this turns me. Because on one hand, I want to see him as a man. On the other hand, I want to see him as a messiah. On the other hand, I want to see him as a king. On the other hand, I want to see him as a friend. But sometimes I feel like he's an enemy because the way that he makes me feel when he looks at me, it's as though he looks through me. And I believe he has that effect on so many others. It's something about him that seems to know our heart even if we don't speak it. But my dilemma tonight is my dilemma tonight 
is due. I follow him to the end, which at this point seems to be death. I ain't feeling that, man. I'm not trying to die tonight. I'm not trying to die this week. I'm not trying to die. If you are not the Messiah, if you are not the one that we have been looking for, Jesus, I've got to move on because I am not interested in dying. I am not interested in souls of man. I am not interested in, in, in those things. I am interested in what really is important, money and power. Ruling, it's my time to cash in. It's my time to rise up. It's my time to get rid of these rags and to be able to move to a higher level. I, I, I didn't join this outfit for the purpose of just feeding some hungry people, or for the purpose of, of teaching some children, or for the for the purpose of just helping hundreds. That is not why I joined. I joined because I'm joining into the understanding that we are all are part of the revolution. And it's time for us to reign. We can't seem to get this together because the Messiah could be right on board. And it just seems like right when he's at his highest level of popularity, he turns around and he says something like, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part. People are not trying to hear that. As a matter of fact, we had amassed a great following of people we had, we had hundreds of disciples that were following us everywhere we went. And then he opened up his mouth and he said that and I could have just died. Because immediately hundreds turned around and left saying what kind of sick man is this? Eat of my flesh and drink of my blood or you have no... Come on. I must admit it hurt me to my heart when he opened his mouth and said those things because we had the people wrapped around our fingers. And then, now, now that I'm thinking about this thing, something else ticked me off about it. We were in the temple one day. We had gone to the temple, and I remember, walked into the temple, and when he walked into the temple, he saw where they were cashing out and cashing in and running business inside of the temple, he made a whip and began to lash out and turn over the money exchanges table, created a whole fiasco. Everybody fell out with him and wanted to know why, what authority he had to come up in here and turn over the money tables and to have wreak havoc on this level, knowing this was going to bring attention to him. Knowing this was going to tick somebody off. And the only response he could give is, You have made my father's house to a den of thieves. I have been trying to get him to understand the power that he has. I don't know where it came from. If it came from God, great, wonderful, because that would make him basically the Messiah we've been talking about. He has this power. He has this ability. He has this wisdom. He has this aura about him. But people love him. 
But when it comes down to utilizing it for his good, to make a name for himself, to help us rise up an army of people to overthrow the Roman government, every time he drops out of the spotlight and goes into the shadow, he does not have the killer instinct. In fact, right now, my mind tells me that the reason why it is he's over there praying, he's praying so heavily. I've heard him crying out to the Father, and I've heard him praying, you see, and crying at the same time as though these, these tears dropping from his eyes as though they were drops of blood. It just, I thought he was bleeding, but they just turned out to be tears. He's praying all this time so deeply. When it's not that deep, all he has to do is listen to what I've been trying to tell him. And we could control the world. But I hear death tones coming from him and they disturb me. The overtures that are coming from out of his spirit seem to suggest a dark and dismal future. been telling us things like the poor you always have with you but I'm only here for a little while. See, this is why I have this dilemma on one hand. I see this mighty man with all of this potential and power. I see this mighty man with all of this wisdom. I see this mighty man with all of this ability he can control and have the world but it seems as though he is not interested in this power. It seems that he's not interested in the valuable things that this world has to offer. It seems as though he does not care about popularity. He's not trying to fit in with anybody. He's not trying. He's not listening to me. I could make him a king if he would just listen to me. He's not listening to me. And every time I suggest such things to him, his response seems to be clear. You don't understand. Jesus. People give us money. People support this ministry, this preaching, these teachings. People have no problems joining in until he says things that cause them to believe that he's crazy. And I don't know, am I crazy for following him? Am I crazy for believing just based upon something? Is he just an extraordinary magician? Is power of some dark revelation? Is he from some other planet or something? I'm not understanding. I don't get him because if this were anybody else, certainly if it would have been me, by now, I would rule Jerusalem. I would rule Rome by now. I would be king by now. I would, oh my gosh, my kingdom would be advanced. I would truly go down in history as the greatest there ever was. And he could, but he chooses to serve and rule every time. And here we are, 
I'm not sure whether we're just as crazy for following him, but I must admit, part of my brain says I'm crazy. And then a, my spirit seems to suggest that I'm just not getting it. I don't get it. I don't get it. We're in a garden right now. He's over there praying. He told us to pray. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm struggling to pray. Many of the other disciples are struggling to pray because many of them keep going to sleep. Because we, we, don't, we don't really get it. I know I do not get it because my mind keeps telling me something is wrong with a man who has this ability and is not utilizing it to monopolize the world. I don't get it. I'm struggling now because as I told you, there is an offer that I'm considering going to the chief priest and sitting down with maybe some Sadducees or some scribes and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just thinking in my mind because I know that they are trying to find him. I know that they are trying to identify him. I know that there are plots and conspiracies here in Jerusalem to have him killed. And they pay good money. <laughs> they pay good money for people who can bring them the information they so diligently crave. And to be honest with you, this setup that I'm working with Jesus, sometimes it pays off well when I'm able to kind of benefit myself on the side when there's treasure enough in the treasury and I can skim a little off the top. So it has been beneficial to me on some level, but it won't benefit me in that way if he is dead. Because Peter cannot take his place. Simon Peter cannot take his place. No other disciple can replace him. It's not like we are deep and we are able to just produce another leader on this level. There has been no leader on this level in my lifetime that I've ever known, nor have I ever read about. And so this is one or none deal. But if he does not pan out, if he does not bring to pass what it is that is expected of him, what he is very well capable of producing if he does not go that direction. And to be honest with you, everything that I have seen in these three years seems to suggest to me that he is not interested in glory. He is not interested in power. He is not interested in popularity. He is not interested in money. He is not interested in any, any of these things. He seems to only be interested in plain people. In fact, we talked to him the other day. He said, I, I, I am not, I've come for those that are sick, but the whole do not need a physician. I'm not I'm not really feeling this save the world thing. 
I'm ready to rule. And he's been praying a while. He just prays, prays. He prays all the time. Always step into the side and pray. And then I don't mean he calls us to pray. And to be honest with you, I don't know much about prayer. I feel like I'm talking in the air. I feel like I'm talking to a teaching, a myth, a figment of my imagination and hope. He sings and he prays. It's his though. In fact, it seems like he's more comfortable talking and listening in prayer than he is talking with us. Anyway, I, I have to make a decision. And this is not easy for me to make. But in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, Judas, if you don't cash this ticket in now, your season is going to pay. Oh, that's deep. If you don't cash this ticket in now, Judas, your season is going to pass. You have already gotten all the little side payments. You've gotten already got the little uh, the, the stuff off the top. You have been paid, but listen, your cash cow seems to be about to pass away. And I feel some kind of way, I guess, because I know the other disciples. If they found out even what I'm thinking about doing, they, they would be so upset. In fact, my sense is that he knows that something is up. He knows. I told you he seemed like he could just see He said, my time is at hand, my time. And my mind said, is his time at hand for him to rise up and to rule? Is his time at hand for him to call hundreds, if not thousands, to come and to fight for glory, for the glory of Jerusalem, for the glory of Israel, for the glory of the Jews? But that's not what he was talking about. I really think that he has a death wish. I really think that he, he knows that there is a trap for him. And tonight, there is something in my intuition that is saying to me that he knows that if he doesn't make a move, they're going to kill. But what bothers me is that he knows this is true. Why is he playing into that? 
Does he believe that his purpose is to die? Does he does it, is he trying to be a martyr? Oh, wait a minute. That does not fit into my plans. That does not. This is not the role of Judas Iscariot. I am not interested in dying tonight for nobody. I am not interested in being a martyr. Listen, not even if it meant that we were going to rise up and be this great nation again. I'm not interested in being, I don't, I'm too young to die. Oh, no. And he's, is he praying for death? Because I heard him say that. I heard from here in the shadows of this garden, in the midst of these thickets and weeds, I hear, I heard him say, Father, if it's thy will, let this cup pass from me. This cup. What is this cup? Something on the inside of me tells me that this man has a belief that he is going to die soon. And he seems to be struggling with mortality. He seems to be struggling. Death. He's struggling with death. That's why he was doing what he's been doing. That's why he's been acting strange. Because he is struggling with death. I'm not trying to die. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to. I am not trying to die. I am not trying to die. For what? Listen, I don't want you to think that I am a cold and cruel man. I don't want you to think that I have no ethics and any values and morals. I don't want you to think that I am without feelings. But I signed on for the Messiah. I, I signed on for the kingdom to come. I signed on I signed on to be victorious. I signed on to join in with the power. I signed in on for the revolution. And if we cannot have the revolution, then you are not the You cannot be the Messiah. But if I follow through with the plan that keeps coming to my mind, and the plan that keeps coming to my mind is, is to turn him in. He's not running. He 
start hiding. He start doing the thing that preserve his life. He's not calling people to arms to defend and to rise up. He's not doing those things. He's asking us to lay down our swords and and and. and, and they're going to find him, and when they find him, they're going to kill him. And they will probably, based upon the way that they have been going with this thing, they are intending. They are intending. They will probably crucify him. That is what they do to people like him. They crucify him. And if that is the plan, if he does not get in line with what I have been suggesting to him, what logic declares, what is sensible for the moment, and let us get out of Jerusalem. If we, if he does not go through with this, if he continues to demand that we remain here in Jerusalem, they are going to find him and they're going to kill him. And when they kill him, they're going to come looking for us. And then when they come looking for us, they're going to want to crucify us. And I am not trying to die for anybody. I have signed on to be crucified. I have signed on to rule, to reign. I'm not talking about some life in the by-by. I'm talking about life right now. And I don't believe even you can blame me for wanting to live life here and now and get what I can get while I can. You can't blame me because you are just like me somewhere on the inside of you. Not many people are like him, giving everything to the poor. Always turning the other cheek. He told us how many times, when Peter asked him how many times should I forgive my brother seven times, he said seven times seven. Turn the other cheek. Declares, how can you love God whom you've never seen and hate your brother who you see every day? These things, they do not suggest to me that he is interested in being a king. But being a martyr makes him a savior. And I want to rule because I want what's coming to me. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with a man wanting to better himself? What's wrong with a man wanting to enhance his stress? What's wrong with that? Everybody else does it. What's wrong with that? I ask you, what is wrong with that? How can I be faithful to him? How can I be loyal to him? How can I give allegiance to him when he has a death wish? He won't even let me fight my enemies. He won't let me cuss them out. He won't let me rise up and fight. He says, let the Lord fight your battle. How can I follow this? Can I believe in this when he has a death wish? Now I don't wish to die. I, 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 I want to live. Self wants to live. If I do not cash him in, somebody else will. You know that, right? I don't know if it's going to be one of these disciples, but eventually the Pharisees are going to have the way the chief priests are going to have the way the Sadducees are going to find him. They're going to find him, and somebody is going to catch him, and it might as well be me. Because I've been with this man for three years, and we have not ruled anything yet. People love us, 
But we will not let them allow us to be kings. And he wants to pray. Just pray all day, all the time. Pray. Pray. I can't pray because I don't have that kind of relationship. I don't know God like that. This is a hard choice for me to make. Because when it comes down to each being, why these gnats seem to be convicted? When it comes down to Loyalty. How can I be loyal to loyal to a woman, to a man who doesn't want what I want? I desire greatness. He keeps bowing down. I desire wealth. He wants to walk around with not even a place to lay his head. I want fine clothes. I want to be recognized. He looks, walks around with hand-me-downs and denies to allow people to place him on a pedestal. I'm Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot is going to have the world. I want the world. No. I want the world. Jesus. You had just listened to me. You could have been a king. I could have shown you how to be great. And while they're going to raise charges against you that you you have done some terrible things, truth, I I don't I don't find any fault with you. Except you just don't want to be king. You don't want to be somebody. You don't want to be. You don't want to. Be. How do you want me to follow that? What would you do?